This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Hi, and welcome to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and I am excited because this week I am joined by another very cool podcaster. Hello, friend. How are you? I am doing good. Why don't you tell everyone who you are and what your show is called? Or shows, uh, you have more than one. Wait, I uh, can't hear you again. You can't hear me again? Oh, wait, it's back. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's frustrating. Uh, all I said, I just said, uh, tell, tell, tell the people who you are and, and what your shows are called. Uh, my main one is The Digressor. That's a random podcast about random things. I talk about random topics. The name of the episodes are basically starting points. And then I, well, I named it The Digressor for a reason. And the second podcast is more straightforward. It's called Casablaga. It's a movie podcast. And I, I basically, it's really short episodes. It's kind of, it started out as a movie review podcast, but I had some friends that were like, you're not reviewing movies. You're just talking hmm. about them. And apparently that's not the same thing. So yeah. <laughs> huh. I guess like a movie discussion, whatever. That sounds, that sounds like, um, oh my gosh, nitpicking. There we go. I'm having trouble mm-hmm. with words today, but um, I'm actually really excited to talk to you because you told me and showed me proof that you have notes. And what that tells me is that I once again have someone on this show who is wildly more prepared than I am. And that is exciting! (laughs) Well, I'm more prepared for this episode than I've ever been for any of my other episodes. (laughs) You know, that's a common sentiment I hear from people who come on my show. It's flattering, and then it makes me feel like, wait, I'm the host. Shouldn't I also be (laughs) prepared? I should let you know. I don't know. I didn't tell you this before. This is the first time I've ever been a guest on anyone's show. Oh, welcome. I hate all those like pop your cherry metaphors. Otherwise I'd throw one in your direction, but just I'm not, I won't. (laughs) Not my thing, but well, before we get into your notes, I got really loud before we get into your notes. Why don't I ask everyone the same question, just like, what is your Titanic story? Because for a lot of people, I think in our age bracket, it is the movie. But every once in a while, I am wildly surprised by someone in our age bracket who's like, well, actually, and they tell me a different story. Oh, this would be one of those surprises for you. because Ooh, exciting. It was, it was before the movie. About a year or two before the movie, the, there was this documentary that came on TV and my mom and I watched. And I was really fascinated with it. And I got really obsessed. And uh, I, I forget how old I was. I was like seven or eight. And in my school library, I looked and there was a couple of uh, books, obviously like aimed more for towards kids, like picture books. And uh, I, I checked all those out and I read them. And then they announced the movie was being made. And I was like so excited. When the movie came out, my my mom and I went and saw it together. And then um, she met my stepfather and, and his daughters. And then we all went and saw it. So I saw it twice the first time it came out. And then when it was re-released in 2020 uh when it was released in 2012 for the 100th anniversary i saw it a third time in 3d and then last month i saw it in uh in 4k 3d uh, at uh for the fourth time so not only is it the first the only movie i've seen four times it's the only movie i've seen more than once in the theater I'm trying to think if there is another movie that I, so I've only seen Titanic in theaters twice. I saw it once in the nineties run when I was young and then, Oh, I've seen it three times. And then I saw it twice on its recent re-release. The first time I saw it, my boyfriend took me to see it. And that was a really, really fun time. We went on Valentine's day because we're adorable. And I think the best part was that every single other person in the audience with us was just like, yup. This is a Valentine's Day theater where it was like three really excited girls and their boyfriends, <laughs> which was fine. I mean, I was really excited to see it. And I, I 
I'm not a big fan of 3D movies. I'll admit I get migraines really easily. The like the perspective throws me off. Not my favorite thing. But it didn't bother me as much the first time. But when I went to see it the second time, I went to see it with some friends when I went to visit Maryland um, to visit home. I don't know what's wrong with that theater, but the 3D was so weirdly broken that the pers- the depth perception was completely fucked up. So like normally when you look at like even real life or a 3D movie, you can break it down into like foreground, midground, background. And even if the details are fuzzy where it's like you can't, like you only have those three layers and you don't have all the same layers that you do in real life, they're normally pretty defined. This screen was having an existential crisis because foreground, midground, background, what is that? All ground, foreground, all ground. It was just... It was so wildly disorienting. It was still a fun time, like great movie, love the movie, but it was it was one of the most odd and visually upsetting movie experiences I've ever had. And I saw uh, Tron in the theaters. I saw that one in theaters too. Um, when I saw Titanic in 3D in 2012, it was the 3D was flawless. I nice. loved it. Then I saw it at the Metreon AMC here in San Francisco. And the left eye one was flickering. Mm. And uh, it wasn't throughout the whole movie. It was like every now and then it would flicker. And I complained about that after the movie. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's a common thing with that movie. Great. So he's just kind of casual about it. I'm like, "Uh, that's not a normal thing. 3D movies aren't. If I had epilepsy, I would have had a seizure. (laughs) Yeah. And like. We were at one of the fancy theaters. We were with the IPIX where you like pay for the fancy recliners and table side C and blah, blah, blah. It was a huge thing. And I'm kind of like, listen, the AMC in Austin, Texas managed to figure out how 3D works. Like, I'm pretty sure that this should not be an insurmountable hurdle for you here. But apparently it was for the IPIC in uh, Pike and Rose. Figure your life out, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um did the uh, okay what was your audience's reaction at any of this going so interesting you asked that because i was because the visuals were so intense i i spent more time than i normally do not looking at the screen and i was also with my friends so i got to watch my friends reacting to this movie <laughs> which was great because One of my friends who I was sitting next to, we're both fans of Titanic, so we would just turn to each other and chorus lines at each other like idiots, and that was very fun for us. And then, oh yeah, and then I had a friend who hadn't seen it since the 90s, so watching her react was exciting. And then I had a friend who had never seen it all the way through, even though she's like 25, so that was, it was fun to see everyone else reacting, because they're not extreme fans, like like they are, but I also sometimes forget that I'm not alone, because, you know, you get to that part where, you know... (laughs) All the officers run by uh, listening to the the carpenter talking about basically how the ship is sunk. And then Jack just goes, this is bad. And I don't know what I did, but I think I made like a weird laughing noise that I thought no one else heard. But I guess they did because I went and then behind me, I just heard three people going (laughs) and pointing at me. So I was like, apparently I was louder than I thought. But my audience at this most recent showing I don't think anybody had ever seen it because because they were reacting. It was almost like overreaction to like everything. And the best reaction actually was when Cal slapped Rose. Everybody gasped. (laughs) I I dig it. That reminds me of the um... response, but true. if you've not seen this before, he's not really good- not. <laughs> well, like um um um, it's I I think I've talked about it a couple times on the show before. There's like a um, there's a TikTok. The uh, I don't have TikTok, but I saw this because somebody oh, shared it with me, and it's this woman filming her younger sister and her younger sister's friend watching Titanic and their reactions as they just go from yelling to bawling. <laughs> to pr- to extolling the movie in a total of about 14 seconds. It was a TikTok, so it's like 60 seconds long. But like, it was very funny to see everyone's like, yeah, different reactions to to the movie who hadn't seen it before. Like th- these were, I-, I don't know exactly how old these girls were, but I'm going to guess probably about 15 or 16. But it was clearly their first time seeing the movie and they were having a really 
clearly emotional response, but you know, they they'd never seen it. This was their reaction. I love seeing kids' reactions to movies. I saw this one. Apparently, this girl grew up watching the original Star Wars trilogy. And so she was like, I think she was probably like 13 or 14. She's never seen the prequels. And she was uh, like, her father was filming her whenever, um, like, the the scene when uh, Senator Palpatine just killed Mace Windu. And it's like, you will now be called Darth Vader. The girl goes, (gasps) i love it a huge plot twist to her like everyone else knew all along you know honestly i'm really glad that my boyfriend is not recording me playing wow i've never played wow until two weeks ago or something and just encountering shit that everyone i'm pretty sure thinks is normal i'm kind of like what is that what i'm a cat now oh my gosh and it's like I'm I'm having a great time, but I'm pretty sure I'm like, please don't like film me because your friends are just gonna fucking laugh at me. I don't care, but I'm sure everyone else thinks it's not because you know I saw Titanic when I was eight years old. So for me, it's very much just sort of part of the fabric of my life. But like for people that have been playing WoW for over a decade, it's the same way to them. But like I just figured this shit out, man. Okay, like I still don't remember the names of all the races. What is that? Who are you? Why? You know, it's it's new when you don't know. And sometimes you can forget what that experience is like when it's when it's so far behind you. <laughs> uh, that would be me playing that. I've ne- I played it once just yeah. as, uh, like 10 years ago. There was like a free demo and I downloaded yeah. it. I played it for about 10 seconds and I was just noped out of there. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of how I feel about, like, this is going to sound mean, but, like, uh, Magic the Gathering, it just, it's such a big thing that so many people are into and know about, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know what you mean, like, it's too big at this point, it's like, I want to get into yeah. Pokemon, I, I, oh, God. I played Arceus, I like that, and I mm-hmm. started playing um, Scarlet, but, like, I have a friend who's kind of guiding me. Like she's understanding that I never play this. And then like I'll post like, I don't know what this is. And, uh, and I'll just get like attacked. Like, what do you mean? You're so stupid. You don't know anything. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm new to this. <laughs> yeah, thank you. What a brilliant observation, Mr. Hockley. Jesus. <laughs> People are wild. And that's, that's the, I try to be patient too, where it's like, there's a difference between someone who's trying to bait you into an argument and someone who just like doesn't know the answer. And granted, it is annoying to sometimes have like not the same people, but like people come in and ask the same questions over and over again. Like I, I, I poke through the um, R Titanic thread. Um, I mean, subreddit sometimes, and the number of times I see the same question repeated can get very exhausting sometimes. Like, do you guys think that if they hit the iceberg, like, straight on, that it would have been better than it would if they hit way they d- did this now? I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I can't. Survived, but they would have gotten in trouble for not even trying to move the ship. There's just so many things where it's also just kind of like, I've seen that question asked once a week for the past, like, three fucking years. Like, this comes up all the time, and... And if you're just the unlucky person that asks on that Thursday that the one person is like, <laughs> it can be really frustrating what happens to you, but it's also kind of like, it's hard not to get frustrated when people re- repeatedly beat the same dead horse in the same way. It's like, w- what is the p- point of this discussion over and over again? This might be a personal issue, but. I'm, I'm making it about a general thing where it's like the same arguments and the same silly sort of questions just keep getting boiled up to the surface over and over again. And they're, they're all strawman arguments. And I especially hate like, like the movie fan theories where people are, the same theory comes up. Jack was a time traveler. That's how <laughs> it's been like, um, <coughs> and then like the conspiracy theorists, like it was swapped with the Olympic and then, like, I've seen videos showing, like, the evidence, and it's, like, they're, it's not even real. I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> on the, the one ev- hand, it's kind of, like, cool, we're still talking about it. But on the other hand, it's kind of, like, stop talking about this, I'll kill you. They, um, the evidence that I saw was, mm-hmm. 
it looked like it was repainted, which is a thing that happens. They they you know they repaint ships. So, no, they don't. Did you know that it's illegal if you repaint a ship? You just like they 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 set you on fire. They like take you away from your family, and <laughs> they, they just you're just never seen from again. Like I don't know how people don't understand this. I know. In case anyone doesn't understand sarcasm, we're being really sarcastic. Please don't think I'm being serious. Like, it's come to the point where I almost have to say that kind of stuff where I'm like, ah, don't you know me by now? But like, some of those theories just get so crazy, man. I think one of my favorites that has absolutely no evidence to back it up, not even like the the paint thing, is the, the ship was cursed because it had a mummy on board. (laughs) <laughs> that I, I I looked into that. Okay. The the first time that was ever mentioned was the early two thousands. Hmm. So never mentioned before then. So yeah, if there was a mummy on board, I'm sure somebody would have mentioned it before the two thousands. <laughs> you would hope so. Otherwise, it's like I don't know, like. Uh, there's a lot of you know things that we're just never going to know the answer to like is it theoretically potentially possible that there was a mummy on titanic like sure i guess it's not a total complete unrealistic possibility in the sense that it is not impossible that i can potentially fly and just haven't tried the right combination of substances to allow it Mm -hmm. i think it's extremely unlikely but yeah sure maybe there's a one percent chance in the universe out there that it's possible but it's that sort of thing where it's like, yeah, is it physically possible that there was a mummy on Titanic? Sure, there's mummies all over the world. But like, is that the reason it sank? No, shut up. There was probably more likely case scenario. There's just a dead body there that was being brought back to the States for burial. That happens even today. Yeah. If you die somewhere else, they have to get you back somehow. Even just apparate. Well, yeah, so they also just don't leave you. They're like, huh, you died in Russia? Mm, sucks. You're from where? Florida? Huh, that's a far visit, man. Good luck. Well, if you die in Russia, do you die in real life? <laughs> no, you just respawn back to base. Oh, that's what I that's what I was told. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I just needed to verify that. But yeah, I I'm, I'm going to get so distracted. Uh what is on now that I have answered the actual question about your Titanic story? Let's start on your list. What's on uh, your list? Where's my phone? Where's my now that I can't help you with. I was like looking all around me. It was literally right in front of my face. I do that at least 38 times a day. Wait, small detractor, but I get, pink's my favorite color. So I buy a lot of shit in pink, like masks, socks, gloves, hats, the case to my phone. And you'd think that would help it stand out. But when fucking everything you own is pink, it really doesn't. Teal is my favorite color. There we go. Oh, and you have purple nail polish. I dig it. Teal and purple are my roller derby league back homes colors. Love you, Free State. <laughs> all right let's address this list so the start the very top of the list uh there was a story that the olympic actually uh, it was a few years a couple years after the mm-hmm. sinking it actually went over the spot that the ship that the spot that the ship sank oh. and there was like an earthquake at that point okay. and like the basically the olympic experienced turbulence at the point at the spot where this shit that the titanic sank and i thought that was really an interesting Hmm. did people attribute that to like atmospheric ghosts i don't know i saw that in one video and that's cool a a lesser known story honestly now that i say it out loud i have i didn't verify it i just watched one video where some guy was talking about it (laughs) that might not even be true but it's fun to talk about (laughs) fun to talk about i did see this though um the the it's everyone knows that the last song that the band played was near my god but there's obviously there's (laughs) It's in the movie. It has to be true, but uh, this, they they say that because that's what a lot of the the survivors say. But there's another song that some people say that was played was a song to autumn or something. Yes, Auda, the waltz of autumn. Yes, by a song by Archibald Joyce, yes. and somebody on YouTube uh, they they re-edited the "Near My God" to these uh, scene and put that song over there, and. 
it actually it it's kind of haunting how it oh. I listened to it before and like this is kind of a cheerful song. Right. God of thee is like a sorrowful, sad song, but this one's kind of kind of cheerful. And it actually like put in that scene, it still fits because it's like, look at this trauma, this traumatic experience, and we're putting joyful music over it. That was the purpose of the band playing. They were trying yeah. to lift the spirits up. So like in that sense, it's like the what's the word, like just a position or whatever. I've never mm-hmm. used but you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, the right word, right yeah, word. Don't right. doubt yourself. Right yeah. word. <laughs> I, no, I, I think uh, you're right, though. Um, interestingly enough, I talked about this a little bit with Stephen Beale because it's one of my like favorite parts of his book, um, Down with the Old Canoe, sort of about the musical debate. Obviously, there's no way of knowing. Like, we can't go back there and, you know, sit with our recorders and then, you know, teleport away before the ship goes down, report back. There's no way to tell everybody that um, to make the leap home that way. But, you know, there's there was reason for the story to emerge that it was nearer my God to thee. There was, you know, the you see this kind of now where the dominant narrative of the world is very Christian. And, you know, by by pointing out or not by pointing out, by saying true or not you know and especially if people genuinely thought that's what they heard they were like you know they were good christian men going down solemnly singing a hymn to god as the ship goes beneath the water there was a lot of tell in that direction and that's part of the reason it may be believed that that was claimed that that was the song that went down because there was a lot of people who testified that it was autumn that was playing the last song that the band did play the um there was also the 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 band leader had written a letter to his sister saying that if he was ever on a shinking mm-hmm. ship he would play nearer my god to thee however he just said he would play it he didn't say that would be the last song he played so that doesn't that doesn't prove that it was a last song people like to point that out to say oh this proves that it was the last song no it just proves that it was played and also the other thing about this too is that the band wasn't literally playing until the ship went under the water. The angle would simply not allow for that. Yeah. So whatever song was last was like probably a choice they made and they figured it out. And at the end of the day, it's kind of like it is, but also isn't important what song it was. What was important is that it was like, that was a pretty big thing to do. Plus like we're so used to like in the movie, they finished the song because like the ship was sinking they might not have been even been able to finish the song yeah you don't know exactly when in this like i'm trying to think if i were literally a violinist on the sinking ship and i knew it's like i'm gonna die and i just have to keep right and i need to keep playing it's like i may as well just keep playing until i can't anymore i was with my friend at the titanic museum in pigeon forge and they have this area where you can kind of like run up replica angled portions of the titanic it's only like a, a, a six feet or so and there's three different angles, obviously, like a light angle, a medium angle, and the heavy grade angle. And I stepped up on them because, of course, I did. And <laughs> the first thing I was like, on the first angle, I was like, I could hold my violin here. Because also, you're holding a cello, a violin, or a viola. Like, you don't just like hold it gingerly in your fingers like a pen. You got to hold it up on your shoulder and you're bracing it and you're holding it and you're pressing it and doing stuff. Ripping it. Yeah, gripping it. And it's like, all right, I could play on the low angle. There is a 0% chance I could have continued playing on the high angle. Like, I can't get the grip that I need to play music. So, yeah, I don't know when in the syncing they stopped. I don't know if they stopped and they're like, whoop, sliding up. Nope. Okay, we're done here. Or if they were, right. Or if they did something cartoony where they were like, we're just going to keep until we literally slide into the sea. I mean, you would, I don't think that's what happened, but you know, there's no way of knowing if they got interrupted mid song. The point at the end of the day is like, that was a really brave thing to do. And they did try to get on a lifeboat. It's the first chance they get. Never, ever. And that, that, the thing you're talking about, uh, San Francisco has something like that. What? The, the, the slant of the, 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 oh yeah. Yeah. It's called all the streets. Dude, your streets are horror movies. Yes. Okay. So I actually have had to to catch a bus. I had I actually had (laughs) one of the steep ones, and I have asthma. I made it. I made it halfway up, 
And my friend was running with me. She doesn't have asthma. She made it a little further than I did. And imagine being on a long ship at that angle. You uh-uh. have to go to the back of the ship. That's adrenaline. Uh-uh. I was it's... just trying to catch a bus. They're trying to save. <laughs> it's a it's a lot, and it's one of those things where, like, I always hear the argument of people be like, "No, if, this, if I was me, I would I would do this," and it's like. I exactly i love to think that i would react in like a certain way like oh it'd be great to think that i would like rip off my impractical women's clothing and just like take charge in my bloomers and be like we're doing this get them off this ship but i'd probably be like i'm getting the fuck out of here by myself i like you i like you with me everybody else ignore them and that's not i'm not trying to be a jerk about it or make a joke but it's sort of like when you're in those moments you you do have to look out for yourself and the ones around you it's it's nice to think that we'd all do grand and noble things and that we would really go out of our way to save dozens of people. But, you know, the reason that we tell stories about heroes is because they're rare, not because they're all in yeah. the whole time. Then there's the bystander effect. I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah. of that. Yeah. So I actually tell everybody else about that though, because oh. I don't think I've ever, I've mentioned it, but I have never actually discussed it in depth on the show. And I think it's kind of important. Basically, the bystander effect is a thing. I'm also I'm not good at explaining things to people. I tried explaining that to people, but well, uh, what you, what you don't know is that I'm secretly googling it in the background. <laughs> so basically, the bystander effect. The best I can explain it is like something happens, you won't do anything because you think someone else is going to do it. So therefore, nobody does anything. Honestly, it's basically that. I just I just googled it, and the Wikipedia um, sentence here is. The bystander effect or bystander apathy is a social psychological theory that states that individuals are less likely to offer help to a victim in presence of other people because, like you were just saying, the thought is, oh, somebody else will do it. Or like, why well, I don't need to call 911. I bet you that that person already did. I had kind of experienced something yesterday. I always mm-hmm. imagine, I'm sure a lot of people would uh, think if they experience some kind of racism in, in person, they're going to like stand up to the person and say, hey, yeah. that was racist. You... So yesterday on the bus, um, this girl... She, uh, there, she was getting off and this elderly Asian guy was getting off the bus and she shoved him out of the way so she can get off first. Ooh. And in my mind, I'm thinking someone needs to go confront her about that. Nobody's, nobody reacted. He just, you know, yeah. he literally, he, like, he stepped, you know, he, he, uh, he didn't get pushed to the ground. He just kind of got shoved to the side. Still. And, and he, like, he apologized to ah. her. And he got off the bus. No, so, you're in your no. mind. I ever witnessed something like that. I'm going to confront her. Say that was rude. Apologize to him. Nobody did anything. I have been the person that says and does things. I am an interferer in not always. I don't like confrontation, but I do try to stand up for people. But like, it's not fun and it's unrewarding and it's scary. I mean, I, I cannot think of a single situation that quote unquote went well in the sense that I walked away being like, yeah, I did the right thing and I feel good. I was walked away feeling like, yeah, I did the right thing and I feel fucking awful. Like when I lived in an apartment building closer to downtown DC, um, we were, I was playing a roller derby game soon. It was one of those things where I was feeling like a little pregame jitters. And before I like got myself ready and checked all my gear, I wanted to just take a walk around the block and calm down a little bit before we get in. So I leave the the complex and the first thing I see is a woman who has clearly taken way more drugs than she can handle on a bench. Now, I don't know exactly how fucked up she is um, and I don't know what she has taken because if she was just like drunk and kind of whatever, I guess I wouldn't have paid attention. But it was like that looked like a heroin overdose. And, you know, about like 60 percent of the time you're okay, but about like 40 percent of the time not. And the dude she was with, I looked over there straight up ditched her. Like he checked on her and he was also super fucked up. And as soon as he said, he just went away. So I walked over there, called 911. She was not happy about it. The only thing she told me was get the fuck out of my face. And then of course, paramedics show up. There's flashing lights, lots of people. You got to talk to them. And then by the time it was all over, I had just enough time to go back up to my apartment, get my shit and go. So it was like, well, now I'm way more jumped up than I was. And you know, this is not the first time that I've helped somebody and then ended up completely a nervous wreck. Or, you know, I tried to help a lady on a bus once and a guy spat in my face. It sucks to do the right thing. Like I, I say that, as, I mean, I'm, it sounds like I'm joking, but it's like, it's a hard choice to do the right thing and to get involved and to be involved because, you know, I helped a girl whose guy was intimidating her and he just turned his attention on me. 
And it's one of those things where it's like, you always want to think you'll do the right thing. But as someone who does, who has does the right thing, itis, <laughs> I'm, I'm just surprised that I'm not hurt. Like I I'm saying all these stories out loud and I'm like, why have I not been like, I, I mean, I guess being spat on cat counts as being assaulted, but like quote unquote, in fairness, he did not physically do damage to my body in a permanent way but like the long and short of this is that it's kind of like people are very reticent to get involved and the ones that do get involved often stop getting involved because it's difficult to put yourself in that kind of situation even if you do the the right thing even if you you know call 911 for the person even if you you know stay with the person who's being intimidated even if you you know give up your seat in the lifeboat give up your seat in the shuttle you know you help somebody bandage a wound even though you can't it's like it's not a great feeling all the time to make those sacrifices i have social anxiety so i i'm usually not like in my mind i'm thinking in those situations i would do this i would do that and then and then like i don't and then like another example about a year ago I was on the bus ride home and this couple gets on the bus and you can tell she's crying. She's been crying and she's currently crying. And oh. I'm thinking, Oh no, what happened? But he's like grabbing her by the arm. like dragging oh. her back, And he's like in her, I don't know what he was saying. He was like, like, yeah, as I'm looking she had, she has wearing a skirt and she had like bruises on her legs and she's clearly abused. And like, he like, at one point he rose his hand and she flinched like a hurt puppy and they get, I know I was like heartbreaking watching this. And then, so like the bus driver, I guess he saw it and instead of kicking him off, he kicked them both off. Oh God. She's still with him. Yeah. She's still with him. And now there's no witnesses. Yeah. And like in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking like, should have said something. It's hard, though, because uh, on the flip side, I will say, um, again, I play roller derby. It's a full contact sport. And, you know, I'm sure that people who play like hockey, rugby, football, you get some weird bruises. I've been even playing soccer. You get some bonkers bruises just because like, oh, yeah, someone missed the ball and kicked me directly in the thigh. You're like, oh, OK, that sucks. Um, but the way that you play roller derby, sometimes you end up getting bruises on you that look like you've been grabbed. And... I've had it happen a few times where I've been walking around with a now ex, but you know, walking around with my partners in public and it looks like I have bruises on like my shoulder and my neck and my arms that are obviously hands, like not even that might be a hand, like that's a hand. And I could probably identify the fingerprints. Like they're very intense. And I, and you know, I felt bad because I could see people looking at us. And in my case, I happen to know what they're from. However, I will say that no one ever said anything to me, but I got a lot of looks. No one ever approached me. People are afraid to speak up. Sure, because also, what if they were wrong and I took it the wrong way? If someone was like, if you, for example, like not trying to say you shouldn't do this, but like, if I were really scared, I might just deny it outright. Be like, hey, I don't want to freak you out. I I see crab marks. I just want to know if you're okay. I might be like, oh, oh my gosh, no problem. Like, yeah, I play roller derby. It's here. I'll show you photos. Like, I promise it's a thing like here. Well, well, like, like, I I appreciate you reaching out, man. Like, you know, you never know. Or I could be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would you say something like that to me? How dare you insinuate that? You know, the reaction could always be. We see it in Titanic. I have this wonderful ability to bring everything back. You know, (laughs) when, when Jack abducts Rose into the, um, the Wait. gymnasium for a talk which by the way that's a serial killer moment yeah but- <laughs> especially whenever he like touches the side of her face that spark that goes out will die and i'm like okay Don't what do is that she wasn't showing any interest in him at that point she literally says leave me alone and he's doing that it's yeah move it is but the point of that was that it's just kind of like she he sees that she is unhappy she is obviously a victim of it, at the very least emotional abuse brainwashed yeah and he tries to address it with her and even though she knows he's right she i love cal i'm going back leave me alone it's hard to you know people don't remove themselves from situations until they're ready to 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 leave them it's an it's the unfortunate reality but it's true and you see that where she you know you know does change her mind but like she needed to make that choice herself i noticed that in a lot of movie in a lot of the movie he uh 
Uh, you've addressed it sometimes too, where like he's mm-hmm. letting her make the decision all the time, yeah. giving her the power. And like, um, I was just, I was, uh, I have a lot of notes because I, I told you I watched the movie again the other night. On... More notes, more notes, more notes. I, I seen, like, I bought it on Blu-ray a while back. <laughs> I hadn't seen it yet because I had, I okay, I bought it on Blu-ray. And then I went and saw it on in, in the theater again, and I forgot that I had bought it. So when I got it, I'm like, well, I just saw it. I want to watch it again. It was so <laughs> I mean, I probably should, but like, I I, I'm, I don't want to, I don't have a lot of time. So I don't want to watch the same movie over and over again nowadays. So like, I watched it again. That's how I live my life. <laughs> so like, I watched it again recently with James Cameron's commentary. And okay. when it gets to the point where I learned a lot, I have notes from that. Um, uh, when he, when the, um, she's standing on the back of the ship, uh, at, you know, she has, you know, she's obviously changed her mind and mm-hmm. he reaches out to her. Uh, he, James Cameron says he could, at that point, he could have just grabbed her and pulled her over, but he gave her, gave her the choice to reach over and grab his hand. Mm-hmm. He didn't just grab her and pull her over like she she probably would have been fine with that at that point sure he left the choice up to her he leaves almost everything up to her when when you notice things like when like you point that out he waits for her to take his hand he waits for her to tell him to touch her i'm getting everyone's pronouns confused because i'm not using their names um like he waits for her i think to (laughs) kiss i'm having a hard time remembering their first the first kiss on the he initiates the kiss because to be fair to her she is standing in front of him and that would be really awkward for her to like octopus bend back to initiate a kiss um and also she's really relying on him for some balance but for the most part he does wait for her to initiate everything he gives her the note he really makes her work hard for it i might be changing my mind on jack now that i'm saying everything out loud it's like damn he's really making her do stuff sir come around a little bit but he does make, I'm, I'm joking, he makes a lot of it. He makes it all her choice. Like, I'm going to give you this note. I'm not telling you to come meet me at the at the clock. It's like, you could throw this away and pretend you never got it. You know, I didn't tell it to you. I'm letting you choose to come find me. Now he's making it kind of easy to find him, but. Something I, I always thought was kind of funny, when she's climbing up the stairs and he turns around he like he just knows it's her i wonder how many times he falsely turned around like oh it's not her turn back around titanic minute brought that up and it really got me thinking to where it was like i am so jumpy myself where i would probably do that and then try to like play it off like oh my curls they're perfectly intact excellent (laughs) (laughs) some bullshit like (laughs) some absolute nonsense like goodness what a shiny banister all right going back to here nearer my what we just did nearer my god to me no no i got that i put nearer my god to me on nearer my god to the on carpathia i i i know i said i just put simple notes so i because i remember them i don't remember that one (laughs) um oh yeah okay so um i told one one of my coworkers recently i want to be extremely i want to be like the passive aggressive type i'm passive aggressive i'm non-violent i'm i don't get aggressive i'm passive aggressive like okay with my friends i'm like do you want me to be passive aggressive towards them and i told them like i want to be more passive aggressive and they said how passive aggressive do you want to be i said i want to be cow telling jack he almost passes for a gentleman <laughs> that is it's not my favorite cow line but it is a pretty good line it's like he almost passed for a gentleman. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I also like it because you can tell that Cal was genuinely surprised. Yeah. And that's what he came up with. He was like, oh shit. Zinger. <laughs> oh, and then something else I noticed in the in the movie, Rose is in first class, Jack's in second class, and I don't remember third. Huh, what'd I say? Jack's in third. Did I say second? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Rose is in first, Jack's in third. Something I've noticed is, I don't. As far as I remember, it doesn't show anyone from second class. No, it 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 doesn't, and it doesn't show any of the quarters. Which I will also say is kind of a thing that happens a lot in Titanic literature. 
there is not quite as much focus on second class passengers. I think I personally don't know the actual reason why, but my best guess is simply going to be there's a lot of first class records because those are the people that were in positions of prominence, the ones that were interviewed, the ones that were asked. Sure. And I think that for third class, there were simply more of them. So there was a more, a higher percentage, a higher chance that you might be able to find somebody because there were simply more third class passengers. I, but that could just be me. That's just me speculating into the wind. I don't know why there's not as much, like, I know that there's some novels. There's a book that I read when I was little. It's called, Oh gosh, I think it's called, okay, it's called Titanic Crossing by Barbara Walter. And that focuses on like, I think he's 11 or 12, like a 12 year old boy, uh, fictional, I'm pretty sure. And he's in second class, but yeah, the film, the movie, the Cameron film basically ignores second class. Uh, And then the last note that's not tied to anything specifically. (laughs) Um, So part part of the Blu-ray has all the deleted scenes. There's a lot of deleted scenes. Isn't watched... there like 30 of them? There's a lot. And some of them... Um, I think that James Cameron should release an extended version of the movie. They had to be cut for time for the theatrical release, but mm-hmm. there's no reason that... They're like, Lord of the Rings, they, there's a theatrical cut and then the extended ones are like... I'm six... never watching that, by the way. So... <laughs> I have the I, I have uh, it's way over there. I have the extended versions of actually all of them. I had a friend in high school who once a year or once every other year or Jesus, for those of you who can't see because obviously this is a podcast and not a video. He has the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogies that are all it's like the big master box set. That's all six six videos they're and... all extended also i don't i never told you this uh i probably should have before i use they them pronouns you did I, I... well actually your zoom profile told me and uh, i got distracted by how many videos that they were holding because yeah. that was six big no. blu-rays anyway they should do a extended version of titanic because there's a lot of scenes of jack and rose together like you see them together like they're a couple but yeah. like in the deleted scenes you see them having fun there's a lot of fun scenes you get to see like the, their personalities and like mm-hmm. all i can say like how fun they ha- how much fun they had together what's and, your favorite deleted scene um there's like this five minute scene um it's like between um it's i don't remember exactly it's it ends whenever they they're walking around like so we walked five miles around this ship talking about Mm -hmm. and it's like the five minutes before that where she goes to him and uh and like they're in like this third class area with like a bunch and you meet cora uh the you know you're still my girl cora you meet her and then fabricio meets helga mm-hmm. and she's an actual character in the deleted scenes there's like a whole fabricio has like a whole subplot that's all in you can watch it in the deleted scenes and like you see more of tommy and there's like this whole it's like it's like five minutes and it's just i know the scene you're talking about yeah. and like all it's the- when um sorry just in case anyone doesn't know the moment we're talking about this happens before they come up and you're saying when jack starts in the scene going well you know walked about a mile around this but call me a tumbleweed blowing in the wind where that weird accent comes out of nowhere (laughs) but before that there was a deleted scene that shows rose coming down the stairs to like the third class lounge where tommy fabrizio and helga and jack are all kind of sitting together and and cora's nearby i think they're kind of sketching together or something which um they completely cut Helga out of the movie. I mean, you see her like for like, but she has an unspeaking role for like. I think she's in the dance scene in the in the in yes. the below decks, and but like she she's and like, then we oh. see her die. Yeah, she has a full fleshed out character in the deleted scenes. Yeah, and the, she that she was there was like a shot removed from whenever they're um they meet up at the lock stairwell, and yep. she. Jack goes, Helga, where's Fabrizio? And she's like, he's over there. Which I, I, which makes sense because I always thought it was weird how, like, in the actual movie, Fabrizio's like Jack, and he immediately turned around, Fabrizio, and hugs him. It's like, how does he know where he is? And like, but <laughs> Helga is like, he's right there. Yeah. And then as soon as she she points, that's when Fabrizio. They cut out that one shot just to take her out of the movie. 
Yeah, I know that that was done for time, but you were, as you mentioned, there was an entire um, subplot subplot with Fabrizio and Helga where they have a little romance. And like you were saying, in this in the scene where, you know, he runs into Tommy and then Fabrizio goes, niente this way, because he we have to be reminded he's Italian. Um, there was a more, there was more of an interaction with Fabrizio and Helga, but I do want to talk, I brought it up once on the show, but I want to bring up, um, a Fabrizio line where this is in the movie. This is where they're dancing. And he, he asks Elga, Elga, Helga, when they're dancing, he goes, it's okay if I put, it's okay if I put my hand here. Okay. And until the year 2022, when I accidentally put on a subtitle, I think there's like certain options where if you, if you rewind it replays the clip with the subtitle for some reason and certain thing whatever so that happened and i reversed backwards and i didn't realize that he was saying it's okay put my hand here i thought until last year he was saying are your parents pioneers because it was completely indecipherable to me what he was saying are your parents pioneers okay i was like all right you're dressed like a pioneer yeah, it does. Now that you mentioned that, I know what line you're talking about. It does kind of sound like, are your pioneers pioneers? I never really thought about what he's saying. I'm just like, it's a line. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a line that this Italian dude mumbled in my direction. But like, that was a complete side note. But yeah, there were there was a couple of side plots that were dropped for time. There was another side plot in the 90, in the 90s section where Brock and Lizzie start flirting. Oh yeah, there was a like a Lizzie whole... being Rose's like sorry for anyone who forgot Lizzie is Rose's granddaughter. I remember now. Um, that that I think that's part of the five minute thing because the oh, Rose really? Rose is like uh, old Rose is like um, I forgot what scene like she gets upset like oh uh, and she like I'm gonna take her to her room to rest and then they they mm-hmm. actually stop telling the story and then there's like a few minutes on the modern day ship where yeah. lizzie yeah. brock and she's like you have a lot of nerve bringing this <laughs> yeah and you have a lot of nerve bringing up this thing that my grandmother involved herself in yeah like you gotta understand my life depends on this and there's like a whole scene yes there like, is and like they cut all that out there's another scene too where they're a little bit more flirty and i think that there's an extended version of the like him throwing away the cigar after the everything where he and Lizzie have more of a conversation. And then I think for some reason he asks her to dance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, <laughs> he, he looks over and she sees young uh, old Rose standing on the railings. Oh my God. And then they have Oh that- yeah. That was so stupid. Whenever uh, he, you know, she tosses the the thing and he, that's when he turns to her and do you want to have this dance now? Oh yeah, it's such a dumb. The, the alternate ending is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my yeah, life. I, they can do the extended version, but leave that alternate ending out. I honestly don't know how I feel about the concept of an extended version because I think some of those scenes are dumb. Like not all of them, but I think some of them are real dumb. Like there's a whole ass scene where the iceberg goes by in the background, and Molly Brown puts her <laughs> glass up and goes, "Hey, Sunny." How about a little ice? I think oh, I, okay, that made me laugh. I I, I did like that. <laughs> so I think I will melt faster than an iceberg in 2023 if that stays in. I hated that. I was like, no, 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 no. I love Kathy Bates. I do too. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that uh, I literally burst out laughing when I saw that. Yeah, it's funny, but it's almost funny as a deleted scene. Like, it's not funny in the movie. It's funnier to find out it existed. Yeah, I guess that's point. Like, it's kind of a serious, dramatic moment. So, like, I, yeah, like, that would tick you out. Well, especially because it's coming on the heels of that really intense. Um, I almost said silent, but that's not what I mean. There's very little dialogue in the um, hitting of the iceberg sequence. It's mostly music and sound, and every once in a while, someone being like, "Ah!" But there's not a whole lot of of of, of talking. And then immediately after that, to go into that, I think would be into, hey, Sonny, how about a little ice? I think would be really, really dumb. <laughs> and something, speaking of Lizzie, I didn't realize this until I was listening to his uh, his commentary. Mm-hmm. He married her. He did, but he was not married to her when this movie started filming. Yeah, like they met on set and they fell in love. I didn't realize that. But uh, the thing about that is, is that he was married to Linda Hamilton when filming started, and then he wasn't when it ended. And um, she was the star of his previous movie, Awkward. Yeah. 
Yeah, that must be fun. So it's it will be soon before he's married to Zoe's. Uh, Zoe so- <laughs> no, my 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 beautiful baby Zoe is too good for that. Yeah. So um, another thing. Um, he also addressed the um the liquid soda thing. How it was like the what? Oh, I- I'm sorry. I thought you said liquid soda because my Liqu- ears are working properly. Uh, the think- liquid soda thing. Yeah, Please, so- I didn't make any mistakes. Continue. I was like, did I say it right? <laughs> no, you did. I just don't hear um, properly. Uh, at that scene, he's like, okay, so it's been brought to my attention that this lake actually didn't uh, exist until after 1912. Yeah, good See, job. He uh, he explained like uh, he didn't. No, he's not from Wisconsin or whatever state that that is. He just picked a lake at at random, and it just happened to be the one lake that didn't exist. <laughs> just use one of the great lakes you dumbass there's so many we all know the names we used to go ice fishing on lake superior oh yeah the one that we all know and has been around for a million fucking years great (laughs) no this idiot went for some sorry that is the stupidest excuse ever i'm not from wisconsin yeah me neither but if i were writing a character from there i'd at least like look up the lake (laughs) That he claims he and his father went fishing at a lot. Well, to be fair, you see a lake, do you automatically assume it's man-made? No, but if I'm someone like James Cameron, I'm like, this is so accurate, and you make you DVD, you gotta at least check an almanac. Yeah, I mean, you, you got a point. Like, everything else in the movie is pretty accurate and well-researched, and the one thing he didn't accurately research turned out to bite him in the foot. The few details that he definitely gets wrong are ones where it's kind of like, he puts so much emphasis on how smart he is and how well he, you know, keeps things accurate, and then he just decides to go fuck off and make a weird decision where it's like, but okay, but... Ugh. He did. He didn't address some of that in the commentary. Like he said, like the doors that they walk through to get onto the ship are wrong. And he's like, theoretically, I should go back and refilm that, but I'm not. Or I mean, like, yeah, there's some that matter less than others, obviously. There, there, like, there's a couple of scenes where he's like, like uh, uh, I know that, like you know, the real ship didn't have this, but you know, for the story, it made sense. You know, there's things like that that don't quite make sense, and then also stupid things like that. Um, I can't. I oh my gosh, my head is blanking out right now. But like, technically, it's period accurate for Rose to have always been wearing a hat outdoors because that was the standard for women at the time. But he just didn't want her to wear a hat, so she just didn't. Actually, uh, he did address that, and I like his reasoning for this. It's one of the few things that he's addressed that I agree with. He says that like that was like the social norms for them to be wearing a hat. But like she's fighting against the system, he said that like the 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 costume designer w- wanted her to wear a hat. They had a hat picked out, but he was like, no, her character isn't wearing a hat because she's fighting that system. She doesn't want to be part of that system. And he actually he took the hat and threw it in the water, and he said that was the end of that argument. That so, is like, also one of the rudest things you can do to somebody because I'm yeah, like, do you know how long that hat that you know haberdasherist worked on that hat? I don't agree with that part, but I he agree with threw his, it in the water. I agree with his reasoning for her not wearing a hat. She's I get it, but it's also one of those things where it's kind of like what he is and isn't a stickler for with authenticity is so exhausting. <laughs> we were like, this is authentic, and it's the rivets that were made by the real company, and oh, I don't like this hat. Meh. Like, sir, you <laughs> seem annoying. Yeah, uh, I thought it was cool that the um, the lifeboat crane things were all they were made by the same company mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that stuff is really neat it's just it's funny when you look um, at the other things anyway we're i don't i'm running out of time missionist but i don't want to run out of your notes what's next uh i'll get to these quickly uh oh, bernard fox played Archibald gracie well then the no bernard fox was um um the captain no because uh I think oh I no that's have... bernard hill Okay, Bernard Fox, Why? who played Gracie, who was the well then the boy's a hero. Boy's a hero. And Why then a lot of Bernards in that movie. He played um, Cameron wanted to play or wanted to cast him because that uh, Bernard Fox played Frederick, Fred, Frederick Fleet in The Night to Remember. Oh yeah, I remember that he had experience on the set of Titanic films. And so when uh, the uh, he he talked to the guy playing Frederick Fleet in this movie, and mm-hmm. they had like a conversation, and it was kind of nice. cool. And then cool. uh, he uh, James Cameron pointed out that the cherub that was on the the grand staircase it was recovered. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. 
It's like, how could, in my mind, I'm thinking, in my mind, I keep forgetting that the movie's fiction. I'm like, how can it be recovered if Cal uh, shot it in half? <laughs> and, I mean, I'm sure that was, that one was not shot in half. And the difference between the first and third class, um, the, the scene when the steward comes on into the room and we're like, was like carefully like, uh, please put on your life vest. I'm sure everything's okay. And there's like a whole minute scene where he's like calmly explaining to Rose and Cal, you know, put on the life jacket, come to the come to the top, everything's going to be fine. And then it immediately cuts to third class, opens the door, turns the light on, and uh, everyone up, life knocking on. everything on the ground. Yeah, and he's just like he opens screaming, everyone up, life boat's on, and that's it. It's the difference between first and third class. It's so visibly different. It's like, oh, here's your life belt. Anything else? Go downstairs. Get this on! And then the last one here is James Cameron. I watched the 25th, uh, the 25 years later thing on mm-hmm. Nat Geo. Oh, yeah. James, did you watch that? Uh, yeah, a little while ago. It was really interesting. It was uh, him and Bob Ballard actually uh, walking around the museum and talking and uh, they did this demonstration because, like, uh, I think it made headlines because ja- uh, James Cameron's always said Jack wouldn't have survived, but he, they did like real life. Uh, they, they did like a new test, and he was like, you know, Jack theoretically could have survived if they had just done it the right way. And he said, my main takeaway from this is if I were to do it now, I would have made the door smaller. <laughs> yeah, keep the debate. <laughs> he wanted Jack to die. <laughs> I mean, but like honestly, that was like. I think a couple of people have discussed it too, where it's like, that's kind of part of what makes the movie work in a certain way. And I mean, you could argue that, that like, that's wrong or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it's sort of like, it, it, it would have been a different movie if he'd lived. Not to say it was a bad one. It could, it would be, it would just be different. It wouldn't be the same film. Yeah. I'm having a hard time picturing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like an old Jack. And it's like, like your grandfather was Jack. He changed his name to <laughs> he changed his name to John so that we would be oh. able to hide. I um I didn't put this in the notes, but I forgot. You know, uh Lewis, I think his name is Louis. Mm-hmm. The, the, um the Russian brought anesthesia. That guy. Yeah. That's a real guy. Like yeah, they, he's just a friend of James Cameron's. Yeah, and like he didn't like he even has the same name. He was like he had he based his character on him, but he couldn't find anyone to fill the role. So he's like, why don't you just fill the role? <laughs> Which is like the easiest Hollywood break in history. <laughs> Lucky jerk. We did it. We got through your notes. Yeah. And a bonus note. Yeah. That we didn't know about that we didn't know we had. We got through a bonus note. That's a fun and exciting thing. And I believe I have also now taken up an infinite number of mi- of your minutes. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me and for watching the movie and taking notes. <laughs> I'm starting to get like inspired for how to be better at my own show. I took this job seriously. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> I was okay. gonna watch. I was gonna watch Ghost of the Abyss, but it's on. Oh uh, yeah, it's on Apple TV, and you have to pay for it. And I don't have it's the on money. Disney Plus. I think what. Is it? Didn't it? Wasn't it? I have um I have a thing called Just Watch where you can look up any title and it tells you where it's at and it says it's on Apple TV and oh and you're probably right I thought for some reason I thought it was made by Disney so I assumed it would be on their streaming services but I guess that I'm wrong no uh well, all that's they, dumb. they have the 20 years later James Cameron special from 2017 well that's Back- really stupid because this was actually made by Disney yeah. <laughs> anyway that's dumb any any final thoughts before before we bid the good people goodbye i was gonna say i'm waiting for the sequel but then they i forgot it was already made the, and it sucked that's i i okay for what it was it was a sci-fi original that's true for, I, well, I go into sci-fi originals with a certain mindset that it's gonna be dumb it's just dumb fun with uh-huh. some that perspective i had a good time sure that's <laughs> fair but i mean is it a good movie no no awesome well thank you so much again for coming on and i will talk to you next time titanic talk line was created and produced by me alexia 
Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!